Wyatt, aside from answering the same questions over and over again, a uh, good day so far? Yes, it is actually a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Not too long. <laughs> Glad to hear that for your sake. So, <laughs> Charlie is a meaty role. How much prep was needed for you to play Charlie in this series? Yeah, um, I talked a lot with Josh and Stephanie and, and Jesse Peretz uh, about uh, Charlie and his arc and where he starts, where he ends. And it was a lot of fun to mm -hmm. work with them to like dissect you know, each and every moment of his character and how he's feeling. And I'm like, you know, is he feeling more just shock in this moment? Is it sad and whatever? And like, they were very open to all my questions and a lot of fun to work with. Um, so being able to figure him out live on set and also prepare um, with any kind of music or um, whether it's rehearsing with other actors, it's like, it was a lot of fun to uh, play this, this, like you said, meaty character. Speaking of music, growing mm -hmm. up as a person who was religiously watching MTV. I knew of Jesse as a music video director. Like I remember oh. that he did Big Me by the Foo Fighters, which won <laughs> VMA awards. Did you know of Jesse as a music video director? I kind of didn't until like, I mean, we started talking about it one day or that he was in the Lemonheads and now I have a Lemonheads t-shirt. Um, <laughs> it's super one of, cool. One of my favorite bands. So did you know the Lemonheads before Jesse brought them up? I mean, I'd heard of them, but no. Um, and I don't think Jesse brought him up. I think it was Josh and Stephanie were like, do you know he was in a band? Um, but it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I feel like Jesse was such the right pick, um, especially for a show that focuses so much on music. Right. And also Stephanie and Josh, who you mentioned, mm -hmm. legendary TV people at this point, the yeah. OC, Gossip Girl, et cetera. Do you remember the first series of theirs that you were familiar with? Uh, City on Fire. <laughs> uh, kind really? of, kind of like I didn't, necessarily watch uh the gossip girl or uh the oc that was not um it was before my time uh unfortunately i did do uh, i got to do like a cool uh table read for uh charity uh we got to read an, ep uh, an episode of the oc and i played uh, adam brody's character which was a lot of fun um who i've also worked with before it's weird everything intersects but um yeah it was uh cool working with them and like even like you know, me who has, who knew of their um, talents and what they've done, but um, they're just amazing people to work with. I just got, I had such a, an amazing time just working with them one-on-one -on -one and um, they're great. They're great. And are we allowed to know what's next from you or is it all City on Fire all the time, forever and ever? <laughs> um, the only thing that's coming out uh, next is uh, Stay Awake, which is an independent I shot two years ago. It's a beautiful little film. It's coming out May 19th uh, at select theaters in Los Angeles and New York. So if it's in your area, please go see it because then it can be in theaters for longer. It's a very special little story. Sure. Um, and The Year Between, which is now streaming on Beacock, is, uh, those are the other things that are going on. I think I'm allowed to say that. I think. Um, <laughs> so if I'm reading between the lines here, keep following you on Instagram. Be one of those three million plus people who are following you on Instagram. Yes. And that's how you know what's coming out when it's ready to be announced. Exactly. And I will post very rarely. So uh, good luck with that. Well, why? thank you for the time. Congratulations on the show. I'm looking forward to whatever's coming next from you. Thank you very much. Pleasure talking to you. Hey, Pete, can you hear me okay? Yeah, how are you? Fine, are you fine? Good. Is this Darren? This is Darren right here. And this is Pete. And uh, it's a pleasure to connect with you and talk about the new record. Now, what's the worst mispronunciation of the album title you've gotten so far? Have you gotten Patron Sky? 
Oh, that's good. That's I haven't gotten that one yet. Um, you know, so the record is called Pattern Sky, and it was yeah. my wife's idea to say, she's like, you should do PTRN. Um, and I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. But I knew that people would, would definitely get nice um, interpretations, like you're saying, or just the letters, uh, which is good, too. Well, hey, you have a reputation for being very lax, so I'm sure you'll take all that in stride. And when did you actually finish recording Pattern Sky? So let's see. Um, so just to give you a little bit of the story with it, um, mm -hmm. I, I recorded the record in my home studio. Mm -hmm. And I think I may talk a little bit in my most recent bio about it. But, I, you know, over the years of being in studios, I love recording studios and I wanted to be able to sort of record my own music by myself in the studio, ranging from bass, drums. On this record, I used a bunch of drum loops. Mm -hmm. So essentially, I, I wanted to work, you know, on this record. So I guess it was sort of the fall of or maybe the summer of, of 20. No, let's see. When was it? It was almost a year ago mm -hmm. or, or even more that I began working on it. And a producer named Scott Jacoby, who, mm -hmm. who's a really great producer, he's done work. He won a Grammy for a, a record he did with Vampire Weekend. Coldplay is with, also on his resume. With, I mean, legit guy. Yeah. yeah. He's very legit. He actually came to my studio and helped wire it and put mm -hmm. it together in a place I wanted to be able to record anything in a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. And what I had found with me trying to learn how to do it is sometimes it would take a while to get up a, a, a microphone to record the guitar, or it would take a while to make a compressor sound good, the vocal. So mm -hmm. he, basically, he basically got me going. And then once I had created the template, with another person that I worked with over Zoom named Jesse, Jason Wexler, a producer and pianist. Excuse me. Um, Jason set up a template. So a template, and I work in Logic Pro. A template is essentially your all your you know all your um, tracks are set up. So I became much more efficient with my ideas. So and I still did this every day that I go in. And I begin working on a piece. Um, sometimes I come back to pieces that are almost sketches. And that's kind of how I made Pattern Sky. It was as if you can imagine maybe six or seven canvases laid out in an art studio. And I would go and work on each of them. And that really helped me because uh, I didn't really get bored or bogged down with one song. If mm -hmm. something were happen, I'd go to the other one. So I recorded these up to a point, and then I sent the work to Scott, and he liked it. Uh, and he said, "I'll help you sort of co-produce co the record, mm -hmm. and and then I'll mix the record." Um, and sorry, I had a little coffee here, but um, uh, no, it is still coffee o'clock over here as well. I get it. Yeah, exactly. Well, just to, just so you know, I'm in a parking lot. I just I played a gig in Portsmouth 
New Hampshire last night, and on my uh -huh. way, I'm on my way home. I'm in Madison, Connecticut, at a uh, a rest stop. So I thought this be a perfect place to have our talk. Of course. Um, but yeah, back to the story. It it at that point it became sort of a collaborative thing between me mm -hmm. and Scott, and he obviously has amazing ears, and and we were able to take the songs to a place that you know that I was really or we were both very excited with, uh, and I hadn't made a record in a long time. I have done some EPs, mm -hmm. but just doing a full length, a full length album uh, was, was something that I was really excited to, to do. It sounds like there was no pressure on yourself to do this, except that you want to capture the vibes, capture what you're feeling. It was an artistic move as opposed to a deadline-oriented record where they went, we have to have the first single in the deliverables by this date. Exactly. I with, with this record, I sort of wanted to form a new team. Obviously, mm -hmm. I've been part of the dispatch organization a long time, but I thought right. with my solo with my solo work, it would be uh important to find a new team. And my wife, Katie is very we're both very involved not only she's involved with my work as pete francis but um our sort of art collective called dragon crest collective mm -hmm. the two of us do and i mean if you've seen the artwork on this record katie did the painting that is that colorful background um so that's really fun for the two of us to have this sort of collaborative we both love art love music poetry right. So it's not, you know, so that's kind of the beginning of the new team. And now I'm working with the great management team and a place to put out my record and a, and a, and a very good booking agent. And so, so yeah, so now a new team has been formed. And, and just to your point of, I didn't have one saying like, this is when it needs to be done, but right. I made it. And now we've sort of made the team around the record. Right. I find all that intriguing because somebody like yourself, and this is intended to be a compliment here, when you do Madison Square Garden like you did a few times and the highest level of stuff, I remember hearing that Dispatch was the first band to play at Red Bull Arena in New Jersey. So all kinds of distinctions like that. A lot of artists, when they reach that level, go, well, that's just the beginning. We now have to get up to MetLife Stadium. And then you have your other artists who go, that's cool that we did that. But let's now focus on the art. And for you, you're focused on the art. You're going where the love is, as opposed to trying to be commercial. Well, that I think you raise a good point there. Um, I do. I do. I've always loved the art. And, and to be honest, I think Dispatch was was true to our art and true mm -hmm. to our songs. But the work that we did. I don't know if it was necessarily commercial but but building an audience was certainly important for us so i hope i can build an audience uh with this record mm -hmm. um but it's true i mean in the sense of i i i'm someone who's very drawn to art and to artists uh careers um but uh it doesn't mean to say that it'd be great to to land a sync with a with the film or, or, or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I sometimes come back to this and I think it's kind of interesting. David Brooks, who's a writer for the New York Times, 
he wrote a book called The Second Mountain. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe you, you can look at the first mountain as a mountain driven by for success. And I think with Dispatch, we had this attitude that we would uh, really fight for our band and, and, you know, almost say to the naysayers who said, you know, well, you're playing Wetlands now. It's, you know, without a label, it'll be hard to play Roseland. And then Irving Plaza happened and then Roseland happened. So I think there was a little bit of that defying the odds that we liked. And, and it was sort of goal oriented. To, so to come back to the second mountain, as David Brooks talks about, maybe this is a mountain that is good for your soul. The mountain is, um, it's, it, it could be good for your family. Um, right. And so I, I can kind of relate to that. You know, I, I'm, I really do enjoy being an artist. I'm not sure if you read, but I also got to teach a songwriting class at Middlebury College over the pandemic over Zoom. Mm -hmm. And that was really, that was really a, like a highlight of my life, to be honest. I, I, um, I love connecting with the kids. And it's kind of funny when you hear pieces of work that are sort of raw and innocent like that, there's a certain beauty that hasn't really gone through. I mean, cookie cutter may be a little harsh word, but think of all the thousands of songs that go into Spotify every day. It's, it's as if maybe they get a bit more manicured, you know? So yeah. my experience of seeing these kids, I thought these compositions were incredibly original. And, you know, they could be two minutes instrumental and then the voices and song comes in. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really refreshing. And, and to me, as an artist, or, you know, I couldn't believe that they actually called me Professor Pete, but that was, uh, that of course was a highlight. Um, but really the main highlight was hearing their work uh, and, and hearing them talk about the yeah. process because it was so, it was so real. Right. I think that when you're a creator, you do have to bring, uh, you do have to do some projects that bring you back to your roots and remind you of why you did this in the first place. And it sounds like you got that result, whether or not that was the thing that you were hoping to get out of it. So what I'm curious about is Dispatch was always kind of pigeonholed to being sort of a jam kind of thing, even though it wasn't a jam thing, sort of a college rock thing. But where did it start musically with you? Like, were you a MTV Van Halen kid before all that started? You know, I think after school, in high school, I'd go home and watch Mysterious Ways video of you 2 on yeah. MTV. And I loved Behind the Music. So, yeah, to, to be to be honest, we dispatch we were so raised on the idea of having a music video and in fact my brother eric has directed a lot of music videos and it's kind of hilarious but he did the who let the dogs out video for the baja um, man wow yeah remember that and it, it's it's really a he's very talented and he did remember the jump jive and whale by brian setzer that cool yeah. video so and not many people know this, but he did Dispatch's first video for Here We Go. Um, so yeah, to, to answer your question, we were kind of of that era, but I will tell you that we really started with three acoustic guitars. Mm. None of us, Brad could not really play drums. 
I only, my brother, my other brother had a bass and I had messed around with it. But, you know, doing the acoustic guitar thing at Middlebury, we got teased. They called us the Indigo Boys um, because, we, you know, we were strumming on the acoustic guitars and doing the harmonies. Yeah. And I think the three of us wanted to toughen up a little bit. And around that time, my brother Leif gave me that that record by the Beastie Boys, Check Your Head. Yeah. And we we all really related to that record, particularly because the Beastie Boys picked up the drums, bass and electric guitar. And we were so kind of impressed. And we thought, oh, that that could be us. You know, we could do our singing acoustic guitar and then we could do our electric set. And that's really what happened. And it was just sort of. um what is that the the necessity of what is that of invention i would forget that phrase but it was like that was the the necessity so we figured out the um brad got better at drums i picked up bass and chad played guitar and and your uh, sound we were off to the races but yeah i didn't really think we were a jam band i really did think that we were a band and I thought I was proud of the songs we had. We we did later like to jam, but I don't think we were as fluid on our instruments as a band that could jam like Jerry Garcia or Fish. So I don't think we were a jam band that way. Yeah, it was it was a false pigeonholing, to to say the least. It, but. Yeah, maybe later we jammed more, but I think we were psyched with our songs. And we yeah. were psyched that with the with the vocal harmonies. So I think that's really where the music was focused. Well, two quick questions for you, and then I'm going to let you go. And I think these might be easier questions for you. And the first one is, when somebody comes to see you live these days, what should they expect setless lies? Well, I played last night in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And my buddy Andy, he's been playing acoustic bass, and I'm playing acoustic guitar. So I'm playing, you know, a, a few songs off of Pattern Sky. Mm -hmm. And then my, my, my catalog, solo catalog is like eight or nine records. So yeah, I have a lot of music. And then, of course, in the Dispatch territory, I'm playing like Bullet Holes, Two Coins, Carry You, Lightning, um, sort of songs like that. And then, of course, maybe throw in a cover or two. So that's what my set has been. And so I, I kind of do different versions of bands. I'll do maybe a five-piece band with mm -hmm. electric guitar, bass, drums, keys, and a sax. And then I'll maybe do a trio. And for a lot of dates, I'm just playing with Andy, these duo acoustic. Mm -hmm. And that, those turn out to be really fun. So fans past and present will be satisfied with what you're playing. And that's great to hear. I hope so. <laughs> and the last thing I got for you has nothing to do with Pattern Sky or you or your success. It's do you have a TV recommendation to pass along a show that the wife and I should start watching? Because every time we start watching a show, we kill it in four days and we go, what's next? I know that is that is funny. Um, I mean, my wife and I watched that show Succession, but mm -hmm. it, that show's pretty dark. Like the people yeah. are just, they're so mean to each other. 
So, but I do think the acting is very good. Um, so that's one show we watched. I've watched The Mandalorian with my son a lot. And I have to say that that show and that dude, Pedro Pascal, he does a, a great character. Um, so those are, and then the, the other thing I watch with my son, which he makes me watch a lot, this is not a show, but it's Steph Curry highlights of him sinking, sinking three pointers. Yeah. And now that I'm, I'm like, how the hell does anyone sink three pointers, uh, three pointers as much as that guy? Outrocast. Ashley, Jemima, pleasure to be speaking with both of you. You too. Uh, before I ask how you are, what do you both have for lunch? Oh, I, I had a quinoa salad with some vegetables. Mm, yeah, so it was well seasoned. So sensible. Yeah. I had some French fries with ketchup. <laughs> okay, so you're both enjoying yourselves in different ways. And <laughs> I guess I'll throw the uh, first question at Ashley first, and I'll say, Josh, and, you know, the, the production team behind the show are just producing top-tier content for decades now. When did you first learn about Josh and Stephanie? Oh, I, I was a fan of the OC. I, I remembered, uh, you know, I can remember very clearly watching the OC and making sure, and it was a uh, must-watch TV, and I was there when um, What's-Her-Name died. And I'm so surprised yeah, you that you watched that. this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it was, that was, that was big. Um, and it's <laughs> funny, I've, I had auditioned for them over the years, and I'm pretty sure they didn't remember. And, uh, <laughs> um, and so it was nice to work with them. They're very they're lovely people. I wow. never uh, saw the uh, the OC um, or or Gossip Girl, but um, but I, I so I, I don't but so I just learned about uh, Josh and Stephanie uh, when I started this project. Got it. Well, City on Fire, lots of buzz about it. One of those kinds of shows where it's critically acclaimed and expected to be a big hit. So, Jemima, how much of the script did you have at the beginning of it, or are you one of those kinds of people that likes to learn as you're filming uh no i'm i'm i i just do what i'm told but i i i did I, <laughs> how much of it they, they that's not true <laughs> it's, not, it's really not but i got um i we had you know they it sort of trickled out the 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 scripts you know um i don't know how many did we get I think we had but, four at the beginning yeah we, we had, had four. We, 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 we read four and we didn't know we didn't really know what all the twists and turns were you know sometimes we'd go into hair and makeup and be like did you hear what's gonna happen next you know like sometimes we get inside info but not until we got the next script got it same case for you ashley um yeah i, I think it changes from job to job like what i like to do and sometimes it feels like if, mm -hmm. it's, if i'm having trouble accessing the character i do need to see it from a bigger picture and i then I do like would like to see know the whole story so that I can kind of contextualize and figure things out. But I, but I think we knew we had four episodes and that was enough to um, you know give us a lot of clues about who these people were and 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 uh, th then figure things out. The, the, also, the good thing is that like it's a thriller, so like that's what it is at its core. So it is good necessarily not to not to know too much and let things. Well, yeah, the characters don't know what's happening, so, yeah. you know, it's fine. Well, before I let you go and say congratulations again on great work, Ashley, what's your favorite song by the band Free? Jesus Christ. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the band. Is it all right now? Do you know? Do you know? Yeah, it's my I dad's don't band. know. Is that from like this era? Mm. I... One of the greatest bands ever. It's my dad's band. Oh, I'm so... No, it's fine. Oh, it's your dad's band. Yeah, it was. Oh. <laughs> um, Why'd you laugh? You were great. Well, <laughs> sorry for the awkwardness there, but thank you for your time and really congratulations. <laughs> yeah, wait, you. wait, what's your favorite song? I think All Right Now is the greatest song, but yeah. I don't know anything. Come on, let's face it. Well, yeah, if that's the only one you know. It is not the, oh, oh come on. Next <laughs> interview, I'll, we'll talk about free, but thank you both for your time. <laughs> Thanks very much. Nice Tim. to meet Thanks you. Thanks a lot. Take Bye. care. Outrocast. Nico, a yeah, pleasure well, both of you and the same first question goes to both of you and we'll throw it to Xavier first yep. and that's when did Stephanie and Josh first come onto your radar because let's face it they've changed TV for decades now definitely like so you, I, I've known about them you know who hasn't heard about the OC Gossip Girl like their their track record really speaks for itself so when this um, project came along and seeing these names attached it was um, it was a thought of you know, you're going to be a part of something that's going to be like, it's going to be in the atmosphere of just the industry landscape. So you, you understood right. right then, like, just the the size of what this project was. Um, so it was one of those where I was like, let's jump on it. Let's let's get in on that um, if I can, because it was something that would propel me into this sort of, I don't know, just like dynamic of I can be a better artist being a part of a show like this because of just the amount of themes that they speak on so well. Mm. Well said. Yeah. So same question at you, Nico, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> when I was 20 years old, I moved to New York City. Uh, I was cast in a little CW show called The Beautiful Life, which was very short lived. And it was on uh, at the same time that Gossip Girl was on. And we were folded into the Gossip Girl crew pretty pretty immediately when we landed in the city. And, uh, you know, Josh and Stephanie created their careers, created that entire world, shaped New York City in that time. And, I mean, they were the, the, the kings of New York, uh, you know, in the, the, the early 10s. And uh, in so many ways, Josh and Stephanie shaped my relationship to New York City and 15 years later are continuing to, uh, to, to write my story here and uh, forever grateful for those two. They've, they've, they've carved such an interesting um, section of the industry out mm -hmm. for themselves and for the world. And uh, this is their greatest work yet. Sure. Well, yeah. Xavier, following up, looking at your Instagram, your bio says you're just a dude playing another <laughs> dude. How much of the character from City on Fire is there in the human being that I'm talking to? I mean, it's 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 very it's a very interwoven thing, you know. I'm that's what it is. Like me and Mercer were just these these dudes from the South yeah. who moved to New York to chase their dreams. That's that's what it is. It's a sim it's there's there's such a simplicity to it um, that builds into this complexity of what it means to chase that dream, what it means to achieve that dream. And so as it goes along, I got to add so much of myself hearing Nico like this, um talk about like him discovering his relationship with New York. I get to do that through Mercer because we're we're sharing that same experience. And so for me, it's it's the human being is very synonymous, like just with 
the character, we're going through such a huge drastic change in both of our lives that will shape us forever. Yeah. Well, going through both of your IMDBs, I see that I'll be talking with both of you in the very near future because you're both working nonstop. So <laughs> in the meantime, thank you for your time and looking forward to whatever's coming next. Thanks, thank buddy. You. Appreciate you. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav, and I don't disappear fast. Because right now, you are watching the Paltrow Cast. Paltrow Cast.